Wings for the game. Boom. Cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom. Cash back. Even a last-minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, James, a special edition of the podcast because we have one of our Favorite, if not our favorite guest, he is the one, the only, the greatest reporter in the world, in Toronto for sure, Mark Masters. The world, I think is fair. I think I it's mean, fair, right? I don't know. It's hard to judge that, but uh, I'll take it. The greatest reporter in the world. That's amazing. We're just blessed with your presence. We can do the Wayne's World, Jonas. We do. You're, we're not worthy. <laughs> going to be back guys it's been a while i was starting to think maybe uh you're taking me for granted or something i don't know but it, it feels really good to be back well you were off doing other things like you, you're a, a international reporter you cover you know the the world juniors you cover mm. tennis like you're on on yeah. different things like I, I like how you got covid so you could experience what that that experience was like during the world juniors right it's funny because the Leafs were all coming down with it around the same time that i was and i was uh at first, when that started breaking, I was like, oh, it's not a bad time to be away from the beat because there wasn't a lot of games happening. And then all of a sudden, I was stuck in my hotel room in Edmonton. But yeah, you know, now I can speak to it from personal experience, although it feels like everyone has a little bit of a different experience with it. So it was a trip, that's for sure. But it's going to be back on the Leafs beat and back with you fine gentlemen. Well, we have a lot to discuss. We're basically at the midway point of the season. I think maybe one more game. Um so we can kind of look back, look ahead. That's what one of the things I want to do. We're not going to play any games because James doesn't like any games. Aww. But I think we should start with, with some of the more topical stuff that's going on with the Leafs right now. So, Mark, let's start with the, the new look lines. I've been kind of intrigued 
from it or for by this idea, I guess, for a while. Were you surprised by the timing of it? Just Sheldon Keefe right around the middle point of the season, just one day, Monday at practice, rolls out this whole new look? Well, I mean, he said it was in part because they're finally fully healthy up front, which they really haven't been uh, this season. I think there might have been one game there. Yeah, there was a, a point during before. the road trip. Yeah, like where, but then immediately COVID brought everything to a halt. So I think it's a good time to experiment. Uh, apparently, he's been yearning for this moment for all season since training camp. He's wanted to give it a shot. It's the middle of the season. We're kind of in the dog days. Um, it adds a bit of a jolt. I thought that second line was was scuffling along a bit with Tavares and Nylander. Uh, Tavares, you know, has you know called himself out uh, on Monday when he met with the media, and it's a bit of a soft spot of the of the schedule. If you want to look at the games, Anaheim comes to town, you know, Western Conference team. Then they go to Detroit, and the Wings have been good at home, but obviously it's Detroit. You should beat them, and then home and home with New Jersey. So I think it comes. At a good time, he's committed to to sticking with it for at least a little stretch here to truly evaluate it. I, I like the idea of, of mixing it up uh, and seeing getting everyone comfortable playing with one another. I, you know, he made the point that these aren't exactly new lines. The first two lines that that they have now, we've seen uh, Bunting, Matthews, Kasha. We've seen Mikheyev, Tavares, Marner at times. Certainly, Tavares and Marner have played together. I think it's good over the course of a long season to mix and match, get everyone comfortable with each other. You never know in the playoffs who's going to get hurt, who might get suspended even. We've seen that. That doesn't happen. Never. Uh, not not anymore, no. I guess. But um, uh, yeah, so I think it's good. I, I, I like it. I see no problem with it. Uh, certainly the re- early returns are pretty positive based on what we saw against Anaheim. And I think it's it makes, it makes a lot of sense. James, you like it or you think it's like just a uh a mid-season, let's try something new. Like, do you think it's actually something that they would really do over a lasting period and, and maybe even a playoff series or playoff series, plural? I don't just like it, Jonas. I love it. I love it. Nice. One of the <laughs> one of the criticisms I've had of the Leafs in past seasons is that they get rolling in the middle of the season and they're really reluctant to change anything. And it's, yep. you know, they, they, they get locked into the same deep pairs and then something goes wrong. Sometimes in the playoffs, something goes wrong where they, you know, like they lose Tavares or, you know, and I think it's good just to have a lot of different looks in your arsenal. And, and Mark's absolutely right. You look at the point in the schedule that they're at. New Jersey's really struggling. Detroit's obviously a rebuilding team. These are games that they should be able to experiment around a little bit and still win or, you know, certainly at least pick up a lot of points in these games. Uh, and then there's a little bit of a break for the the All-Star game. Uh, I, I, I really, really like it. And, you know, I think that it has the potential to work. I think probably... The biggest question mark I have is not bunting and cash out with Matthews because I think Matthews is really going to thrive with the way he's playing on any line. The big mm-hmm. question I have is can Nylander still be you know as dynamic and as productive at even strength when he's playing on the quote-unquote third line with with David Kampf? Can David Kampf facilitate enough offense? And does it make sense to get away from the idea of having a shutdown line that's taking a lot of defensive zone starts? Because that they're, I don't know if they're going to have to do that entirely. But it seemed like in the Anaheim game, they were kind of sharing the load when it came to who was who was the quote-unquote defensive line. Those are all good questions. And I think what's interesting or what was interesting about the game, and Mark asked uh, Sheldon Keefe about uh, the camp line before the game and, and how he would use it. 
what we saw, which was really interesting to me, is like he kind of mixed and matched throughout the whole night. Like Neander went out for like an offensive zone draw with McKay or Martyr and Tavares. And then Matthews came on for an offensive zone draw instead of Camp. And then Camp took a bunch of defensive zone draws. So as much as like we looked at it like three new lines, it was almost more than that because you had all these different combinations kind of flowing throughout a game. Mark was like, there, one of those things that James mentioned that, that caught your eye or you think is is going to last? Like, do you, do you think you can have no real defined, you know, defensive stopper kind of line? Like, or do you think it works the way that they were doing it in that Anaheim game where it's just like, we'll just put a puzzle piece here and then, you know what I mean? Play around. I think the preference for, for the Leafs and for Sheldon Keefe is to have that defensive stopper line, certainly at home. Uh when when there when there's a matchup to be had there probably I mean that's how they've played most of the season and that's he was very excited about getting David Camp that's one of the key points of getting him is you trust him against anybody on the other team uh, and so I, I do think that but again it, you can experiment right and you just don't know how any individual series is going to play out the matchups that may present themselves you know against a deep opponent they're going to face it looks like someone really good in the first round. Uh, although if they win the division, maybe that opens up uh, a lesser opponent, which is what their stated goal is. Um, so yeah, I, I think that ideally you would, you would be able to, to have a defensively responsible centered line with camp, uh, that you could match up not just in the defensive zone, but all over the ice against good opponents. But I, I thought it worked well. I mean, yeah. Sheldon Keith went, went to the three big guys the, and said, this isn't going to change your minutes. All of them played, I think, more than their season average against the Ducks. Um, and I, I, you know, he likes to experiment in games with those zone starts. So, uh, do I think that we're going to see this alignment when the games get really meaningful? No, but do I think it could be something that they use to mix things up if things aren't going well, or if there's a certain matchup that's not working in the playoffs, it's nice to have in your back pocket. Yeah. And and that's a point James had made in previous seasons, James, like you're not lying. That was true. Like repeatedly in past years, you're like, why don't they try this? Why don't they try this? And I was like, well, they're, they're winning. Like, do they really want to break things up? Let's go back, though, to the, the question of, of Neilander. Can Neilander kind of drive his own line? Now, that's like a side question just because they are going to move him around. He is going to play kind of all over the place. I kind of think he's at the point in his career where he can do that. Like, you even saw in the Anaheim game, he set up David Camp for like this really good look. I think he's just better at this point in his career that he can kind of handle that. Like he's got Kerfoot there who's creative and, you know, kind of reads off him pretty well. I, I kind of believe that that's in there um, at this point. James, do you agree or you're not sure? Well, especially when you're not necessarily getting difficult matchups. I mean, the, one of the beauties of when, when Pittsburgh was yes. winning their Stanley Cups with the three different lines, it's like, and one of the things that Keith said too was, he wanted to see what other teams were going to do against this formation. Like, like which which line do you... Which line do you not only put your first line against, but which line do you put your second line against? Because one of those, all of those lines can produce offense. All of those lines have very dynamic players. I mean, look at look where William Nylander ranks in the league scoring race. I mean, I believe he's up in the top twenty this year, right? Like he's been a, had a very very productive season. Are you going to allow you your your choices are you either have Austin Matthews, one of the best goal scorers in the world, you're obviously going to want to hard match him, but then you're allowing either. Tavares and, and Marner or or Nylander and Kerfoot to run wild against your third and fourth line. So pick your poison, right? And it makes the decision much, much more difficult, I think, for the other team to decide what they're going to do 
especially when the when the Leafs go on the road, it's going to be interesting to see that that sort of matchup play out. Well, and in the Anaheim game, James, they they basically had their fourth line against Nealander, and like he spent a, a good chunk of the game against their third pair. Like that's yeah. and that's like one of the things. Like when you have this many like elite uh, offensive players, the more you can exploit that in a playoff series, like you're talking about the better like that's that's what was so good about the the Pittsburgh dynamic is like okay you want to match against Crosby obviously he's Crosby well there's Malkin and then there's Kessel and you go back to that 15 or 16 year like Mark when they win the cup for the first time in a few years their leading five on five scorers were Haglin, Benino and Kessel so like you can kind of see what could conceivably happen but Mark I think you're right I think it's more like an option just to have in your back pocket in case what happens against Columbus or Montreal happens. It's funny that it happened in back-to-back series, but like that happens. Like sometimes your, your top guys in a short series just go cold and you need something new. And that to James's point is why you want to have all these different combinations at your disposal, right? Yeah. I mean, if you're starting game one in Tampa Bay, which is a possibility and Victor Hedman's out there half the game, maybe you want to get William Nylander a shift with David Kampf uh, in a different scenario. And now they're familiar with each other. They've had a run of games together and you can try and find those soft spots in the game, those mismatches. There are no soft spots against Tampa. Like I was like, you look through their defense and it's like, who, who really is like the, the soft spot? You know what I mean? But yeah, they don't have the depth that they did last year though. Like their third and fourth line now is like some younger players. Forward. Yeah. Forward for sure. Yeah. You know, the, the one player we haven't talked about that I think is key to this too is Andre Kasha. And I think that just with how well yes. he's, how well he's meshed with Matthews creates this possibility. Because if that doesn't happen when Marner's out, I don't think that they think about doing this. And, you know, yes. I, I, the way they had the lines before was working well in the sense that that, that Engvall, Mikheyev, uh, Kampf line was good from a shutdown perspective, but it was never going to scare you offensively. And with the At way all. the, with the way the fourth line was struggling, yeah. You basically had half your forward lineup that wasn't going to be producing offense at even strength. And I think that's a problem, especially when you're playing against better teams than, than let's say, like New Jersey. Well, and then and then to compound that, the Tavares line wasn't working. And so suddenly, like, you're, you're basically relying on one line for offense. Um, one thing Sheldon said, uh, Sheldon Keefe said, was that Engvall, uh, uh, you know, and Mikheyev and, and that trio that he was starting, he was starting them on the road that line yeah. uh, during the recent road trip. You really trust them. And he said, everyone's focused on, you know, how Matthews, Marner, and Elan are on different lines. Well, I've put these three guys now on different lines. Uh, and I think that that helps our lineup too, because you're spreading out not just the offense, but the defensive responsibility and creating balance in that, in that way as well. Well, that is like a, an interesting point. Um, the, the numbers for that line are just like, we're just crazy. I, I, I don't know. This is just like a, a, something that's happened because of the break in the season. But the Spezza Simmons thing has not been working. And I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's their age and like the stoppage and like, I don't, I don't know if Spezza's look great. Simmons has had some chances. Engvall did not have a great night. I didn't think against the Ducks. That was kind of like old Engvall showing up. Big goal. Like the most noticeable thing that Spezza's done for me in the last few games was score that goal in the shootout last night. Like it, he just yes. hasn't really made a big impact in the games. Yeah. And that's a little like worrisome. Just be like, they're not playing a big role. Like the Leafs aren't winning and losing a series because of Spezza and Simmons. But anyway, that's a small thing. Uh, Spezza played a pretty darn big role in the playoff series against yes. Montreal. I mean, if they somehow come back and win games, I mean like he, that he was contributing, but that's like one of those things like driver. It, don't coaches or 
they they like to say like if your our fourth line was our best line, but that's like that's not a good not thing. Good. If Spets is one of your best players in a playoff series, like eh, that's 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 good for Spezza. That's not great for your team. Well, we're we're saying that they're going to need some depth scoring at some point, right? Yeah, they could have used sure. it in that series, and so this new alignment makes the third line with Nylander more dangerous. If that fourth line's not scoring under the old alignment, we mentioned we already touched upon that that third line that's more of a stopper line. You, you're not going to bank on them scoring consistently, certainly. So you're going to need m- the odd goal here and there from the fourth line, which they've certainly proven capable of it. I. I, I I tend to think of it as uh, an issue with just the schedule. You know, we know Spezza, a guy, he, he'll skate every freaking day. And yeah. um, it just hasn't been that way for him. And he also pointed out when he spoke to the media this week that the suspension means it's been an even weirder, longer delay. And those guys like to keep the engine running. Mm-hmm. Tavares, Jake Muzzin is in that in that group. So you, when you look at some of the guys who have struggled out of the COVID pause or whatever we want to call it, some of the older guys, I tend to, to lean towards chalking it up to that and, and assuming that once the schedule gets a little bit more regular and they get in a rhythm, Spezza will be looking more like the guy we've seen earlier in the season. But yeah, the fourth line. Keith says that he's hoping Angle will will help them out, and I think they that he has. But in the past, yeah, uh, even if it didn't work out that way against the Anaheim Ducks, but uh, the hope is that those guys will be chipping in a little bit more frequently. Angle supercharging that line. Um, we're going to take questions in the pod bag, obviously later. There's lots for Mark. I was going to take us to the power play, but I, I actually think I want to go next to the goaltending. Um, it's gotten a little more interesting, I, I think, of late, just because Jack Campbell has obviously hit a rough patch. Peter Mrazek is back, and like he played well his last start. Uh, James, like, has your confidence, belief in Peter Mrazek changed at all with one start, or are you kind of still in wait and see mode? I mean, I, I I think that with goalies, you have to look at at their their history, the the bulk of what they've done. He's played almost three hundred games in the league. You and I were talking about this last week, Jonas. Like, you know, he's a guy that that has a track record. And is it a track record of being a Vesna nominee or or a world beater? No, but it's a track record of being a capable guy who plays 40. He's played more than 40 games in the NHL three times. He's a veteran, you know, so he should be able to be a guy that can have a tough start to the season, miss most of the first half, not get into a lot of starts. He should be a guy who who is able to to figure that out. You know, it's not like this is a, a rookie or a second-year goaltender that this is going to throw off his whole season. He should be able to figure it out. And, you know, I I, I really truly believe that they got to get him into a lot more games here down the stretch. And it sounds like that's what the plan is. So, you know, I have some belief that he can be he can be fine. I think he can be like, you know, a 9-10, 9-15 goalie for them. And that's going to be really important just to get Jack Campbell to break as, as they get ready to, to, to go into the playoffs in May. Well, Mark, I have like a hard... T- I think James is right. I think he will get more starts than should. I, I struggle, and James and I talked about this in the past, with the the fatigue thing. It's like, on the one hand, he has played... Jack Campbell has played more games now than he's ever played in a season before. He's never done this over this long. And obviously, the season's been weird for other reasons. But like in January, the schedule was pretty lax. Like it wasn't tough. Yeah, but he had COVID. Um, he had COVID okay, and he was sitting in a hotel room for two weeks. Okay. So do you, so Mark, do you think that's all it is? Or do you think like, or do you just think this is what, what James and I have been saying for a while? Like eventually his save percentage is going to come down. Like I, I don't know where it is today. I forgot to check, but like it was at 939, like two weeks ago. And now I think it's down around like 925 or something. Like it's just plummeted. 
with this stretch? 926. Okay, there you go. now. He's been sub 900 in four of his last five games. I think that there is something to the fact that he was bound to have a stretch like this at some point. It yeah. just coincided with the fact the Leafs were a bit leaky coming out of the break. Again, maybe Jack Campbell, he's 30 now. Maybe, you know, getting, he was in such a great rhythm before. Sometimes it's not easy to get that back. Um, I think goaltending is one of the big storylines to watch in the second half of the season because of what you mentioned, Jonas. Every start Jack is Jack Campbell's making is a new career high for him. Uh, can he keep it going? And how do they? How does Sheldon Keefe mix in Peter Morazic? Um, For example, I'm kind of curious to see. We know they're going to split the back to back next week, but who starts Saturday uh, against Detroit? Got to be Morazic, right? You think so? It's a homecoming game for for Campbell. He's from Michigan. I, oh, I never thought want, of that. You want also you a homecoming game for. Mrazek, the former yeah. Red Wing. But one team removed. Mrazek's going to get one of the New Jersey games for sure. So I, yes, I don't for sure. I don't have a problem yes. with Campbell playing the Detroit game yeah. if that's yeah. the way it shakes out. And then out. you have another long break. Good point. Or a break. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I think this is a pretty important that like that might, I think you can maybe argue it's the biggest storyline for the second half. Is Jack Campbell going to be um, very similar to what he was in this incredible first half that's earned him all-star spot has earned him Vesna buzz uh, or is he going to be more more normal more normal because it's been remarkable honestly it's been incredible so mm-hmm. that's that's a big question and then how they they work Morazic in uh, to ensure that he's ready and and there if, if in case Campbell gets hurt you know knock on wood or um, there is a continued dip in his play so to me that's a big big storyline is starting as soon as you know Saturday I would think that that Campbell would be back in there just to get him going here but yeah uh, it's a question. It, it, it's starting to be for the first time all year. We're actually in a situation where we're kind of be like, Hmm, I'm not a hundred percent sure what they're going to do with that start, uh, which is something new for, for us and for Jack Campbell too. Finally, you know, he's, you know, this is kind of his battery mate is up and running. I don't read too much into Peter Morazic hosting a good performance against one of the worst offensive teams in the league who was playing on the second half of a back to back, you know, and the Leafs needing the response having been dubbed soft or their performance, their play over the final 40 minutes in New York being called soft and purposeless. So, you love that storyline. It was it, great. It was okay. really interesting. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. You know, it's, it's again, we're kind of in the dog days and as I'm sure Sheldon keeps trying to keep everyone locked in and sharp and the media is trying to find different ways to tell stories. We know the Leafs are a really, really good team. Uh, we won't know how good or if they're finally gotten the ghosts out of the closet and under their cars and in, you know, wherever else they've been hiding uh, per Paul McLean until the playoffs. But, you know, we're all looking for different uh, different storylines, and Sheldon Keith put that one on a silver platter. Well, James, let, let's just talk about that for a minute, and then uh, we'll take a break. What did you make of that? Like, I just kind of figured that was Sheldon Keith really pissed off after the game, said something he probably knew pretty quickly he shouldn't have said, and then obviously came out a couple of days later and addressed it right away. Like, do you think that would have caused problems inside the room? Like, or do you just think it's something? No. No, I, I think as a coach, he's got the bandwidth to do that once in a while. And I don't think, you know, if it's a different situation where maybe you don't have that that respect and that trust from your players, I think that they, you know, and it, when he came back out, he didn't say I shouldn't have said that. He kind of just sort of clarified that, you know, like I was just talking about the way that they played in the one game. And I did think that it was, I don't know. I mean, Sheldon Keefe knows this market. He's been here long enough. He knows what's going to happen when he talks like that. Like, I don't think it's a big surprise to him when he says something like that, that it's going to get blown up a little bit. Yeah, but I don't think in that situation you're thinking that. I think you're thinking, I'm pissed off. I don't care. 
I'm just going to say what I think. Like that's, that's, I was saying this to Mark at the rink one of the days, like that's, that's what you say to your coaches in the coaches room after the game. Like when you're really pissed off, that's not typically something you say publicly, but like it's 20 minutes after a game, you're, you're still probably hot and you, you know, he couldn't kind of. Yeah. Keith does have that. Like we've seen that in the past. He he does have, he can get into like a really negative space sometimes with some of his comments. And I think he's, been better about that the last like year or so in the way that like remember early on wasn't it the first year where he was like immature yeah he just like seemed like really harsh in the way that he came across sometimes so yeah you know that is that is something that but i you know i like i said i think that the the players like sheldon keith and they respect him and they trust him and like if he says something like that i think that he's got the bandwidth where they they hear it and they're like, yeah, he's probably right, <laughs> you know, like they, as opposed to saying what a dick the coach is being. Well, I think he would have been. It would have been a lot different of a story if he had said something like, "We we didn't play hard enough and we didn't play with enough purpose," versus saying we played soft and purposeless. It's just funny how uh, different the word choice can can go over differently, right? Uh, I did I did find it notable that you know he was he's been really positive obviously with and there's been reason to be in the media since then but for example John Tavares uh, takes the blame or says the power play kind of screwed up at the end of that uh, at the end of that uh, power play when they had the five on three and they scored and then Keith takes the timeout and they're pushing to try and kind of the dagger right and they, they're coming close and they're hitting a post and then but no one changes no one gets or no one peels back to ensure the guy coming out of the box doesn't have an odd man break so Tavares kind of owned that. And, and Matthew said that was on the power play. And then Keith came out and was asked about it. And I thought, you know, maybe is this one of those teachable moments, you know, a mistake that just cannot happen in the playoffs. You cannot give up an odd man rush to, to, to allow a goal uh, when it's something like that. And he, he said, it's on me because I did not remind them in the timeout that, okay, so because the first unit is not usually on the ice at the end of a power play, they usually score or it's not working and they get off. And the second unit is more used to, okay, someone's got to get off and get a defenseman on, or someone's at least got to peel back to make sure the guy coming out of the box doesn't have a odd man rush. So yeah. I did find it notable that Sheldon Keefe was just like, that's on me. I take the blame. And, you know, obviously it was a great performance overall, but I wondered if you might use that as a one of those teachable moments. So I wonder also if he's kind of got in the back of his mind. He's like, I cracked the whip recently here. I got to, I got to give him some, 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 some cookies, you know, positive. Yeah. Some cookies, some praise here. I'll take, I'll own that one. That's on me. Don't worry, John. Don't worry guys. You know, the power play was exceptional and uh, I'll take that one a little easier. I guess that they pulled it out in the shootout, but because if they had lost that game, <laughs> that would have been a tough, maybe not a tough one to digest because they played so well, but a lot of Leafs fans would have been, uh, would have, would have been in a great headspace had they had they let that one slip away. Again, they absolutely had had complete control of. All right, let's take a break, and then let's talk a little bit about the power play. And then I've got a question or two that I want to ask you guys midseason related. Not a game, just a question. We'll come right back. Wings for the game. Boom, cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom, cash back. Even a last-minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. 
All right. Power play um, obviously scored three times in that game against the Ducks. I didn't check again. Like I, I checked during the game and then I forgot to check after the game, but I think it's now number one in the NHL. Um, they, they've been there in the, in the, they've been kind yeah, of it's in like and out rotating. Of, yeah. Here I can look it up. Whatever. Down it's, you, you do, it's you, very you do good. your thing and do your talking and I'll look it up. Okay. It's very good. Their power play. I don't know if we've, I mean, we talked about it a lot. We've written about it. I don't know how much you can really talk about a power play scoring a lot, but I, I do think given that one of our big storylines coming to the year was, could they fix their power play? Like you forget how bad it was for two thirds of the season, the playoffs, it's almost like a su- somewhat like underrated storyline how good their power play has become, especially when you kind of look ahead to the playoffs and how important it can become. James, you have Th- the stat. 30.6%. They are number one in the league. They're a full percentage point now ahead of Edmonton and St. Louis, who they've been kind of trading off with. Okay. Well, that will change in a day. <laughs> Probably, right? Um, but James, like, do you think that we've made enough of the power plays kind of transformation? No, this probably year? not. No, I think one of the, uh, in, I would say number one, most encouraging thing about this season has probably been Campbell. And number two is either going to be, it's probably, you know, the combination of all those bargain bets they made with the forwards paying off, but the money balls, but you, you know, Kasha bunting, uh, a camp, for you know four million dollars or whatever have given them three really quality top nine forwards but the other one that's in contention for you know biggest positive developments for the Leafs is is both special teams you know the penalty kill even is at 84.3 percent which is fourth in the league right now so if you combine both special teams I mean St. Louis is right there with them as well but I believe the Leafs would be first in the league in, in in combined rank of both special teams and that's a long way from where they were last year. Like the penalty kill had issues. The power play had very significant. They had the second worst power play in the league for the last 30 games of last season during the regular season. So to go from where they were in the second half of last season to where they are now, night and day. And it's and it's it's really huge because we've talked about this before, but it, you know, I'll say it again. One of the biggest separators between the, the, how good the Leafs have been the last three or four years and where the Tampa Bay Lightning have been has been special yeah. teams and the lightning have had very, very, very good special teams. And, and interestingly enough, they don't, they're not ranking as high this year, but that's been a big differentiator between where the Leafs are and why the lightning have been winning the Atlantic division and the Leafs haven't. And, and they've closed that gap because of the special teams. Marcus, is, is there one part of the power play that's maybe surprised you this year with uh, what they've done, personnel, anything like that stick out? I just think, I mean, we're all wondering, right, if, if the, the special teams can be the difference in a series for them. If everything else is shaking out the same, it's harder to score at even strength. You're not going to get as many power plays, obviously, mm-hmm. just based on the history of it. And can they, you know, can they handle the pressure of that? And can they be rolling like this in, in the lead up to the playoffs will be important. It certainly seems like the power plays is, is sustainable considering they've added the different options, right? I mean, I like the way they're lo- using the lower third of the zone. Um, using the back of the net to throw off the defense. We saw it again last night. John Tavares um, finding the guy in the bumper there. Uh, and I, I think, you know, even Mitch Marner is scoring on the power play now. Oh, my goodness, two in the last four games. That's like the most uh, hockey thing, eh? Like he goes 100 yeah. games, doesn't score. He's unlucky, obviously. And then he scores twice in three games. With the, with uh, the like one-timer. Right. The one-timer from distance against a locked-in John Gibson. Uh, Mitch Marner is feeling it right now. That was not on my bingo card last night, but uh, 
Yeah. So, I mean, you got him scoring. We know Matthews can do his thing on the flank, but they move around. I, I think it's sustainable. It should be sustainable unless, again, it's a mental thing and they get into the playoffs and all of a sudden they start squeezing the sticks because they know the power play is so important and can, or at least can be the difference maker that they need that, that in a series. So that's, that's another one of those things that we'll have to judge uh, down the stretch of this season. I, if they're clicking and they're feeling good like this heading into the playoffs, I think everyone in the organization is going to feel a lot better about the chances of mean, making sure it can be the difference bigger because we're, they're one power play goal away from, from, uh, yes. from winning one of these series and the complete narrative changes. And I think the penalty kill did it cost them both series against Boston? Certainly that, that, that first one. I mean, so the fact that that's, that's better, at least make, gives you a chance in the special teams battle if the power play misfires, that that can just maybe be a, a saw off. Um, they're probably going to be playing a pretty darn good power play, assuming they don't win the division. To, to what extent is Nylander being on power play one full-time the, the catalyst? I mean, I know obviously the system's different than it was last year, but Nylander's got 17 power play points this year. He's one away from the team lead, where which is Matthews. I mean, it's been... And, and Nylander's been such a huge... Like, you look at the goal that he scores against Anaheim. He's been such a huge uh, piece of the arsenal just with how well he can shoot and how well he can he can really see the whole ice. I think, James, they're, they're related. I think that, like Mark was saying, the way their power play operates is is just way different than before. And part of that is, is Neilander just being more involved as a result. Like, the puck is in his hands so much more often. Like, you remember last year, they had him when he, when, when he was on, you know, PP1, a lot of the time he was just standing in front of the net. And it's like, how is that making the, any use of Neilander? Like he's this unbelievable shooter. He really sees the ice. Well, he's can make a great pass. Like how is that exploiting him to the best you possibly can? And this year it's like, he's all over the place. He's shooting the puck is in his hands. And it's like, yeah, like obviously if like you make more use of, of Neilander on the power play, like he's, he's going to help your power play. Like he felt underutilized in the, previous two seasons to me and that was something like that's not hindsight that's something i thought at the time wrote at the time like mark um i I, that's what i think i just think he's been more integral to what they do and that's been beneficial because he's just he's like a dual threat i think everyone's been really involved i mean it's it doesn't feel as stagnant i guess yeah it doesn't feel like they're just feeding matt like marner remember how this season started what marner was in the bumper it feels like 10 years ago but and that didn't work, but they moved him around. I think that right? had potential, but but you're it right. Did, they moved it, him it, around. You know, he started slow and there was, he was in his own mind. It's, it felt like, and so they, but he's moved around, right? He found, you know, he made a nice setup to Matthews in, in St. Louis from behind the, behind the net and they, they move around a lot. It feels like everyone's involved. Everyone and everyone is an option, especially now with Marner scoring. So, I mean, it's, it's, you know, maybe not Riley at the point but he's still firing the puck at times and doing his point to keep everyone honest. But it just feels like everyone is, is really flowing nicely. There's a good rhythm there. This is not on my schedule of topics, but I think Marner looks the best he's looked all year. I, yeah. There's something about him that feels a little different. I don't know if he's, I don't know if it was the break. Like, I think that's what you and I have talked about, Mark. You think it's kind of like being away all that time was, mm. was good for him. He just feels very much in control. He feels confident. He's not forcing things. Like he just looks, he also fe- just feels older. He is like, he. it's not like he's o- that much older now than he was at the start of the year. But like, I don't know. There's something a little bit different about him since he's come back. He's a man on a mission right now. He came back. He's like, I mean, I think in that first uh, media scrum, he's like, he pointed out, he's like, it's basically been two months. Like it feels like for him, 
of just with the injury, with the accidental contact with Jake Muzzin and then the COVID. And then he got COVID after the most of the group did and just felt like he couldn't get and hang out and the team was on the road. And so he came in, first of all, just bursting with energy and he's an energetic guy to begin with. And I, I, another thing that that. I kind of, yeah, apparently, yes. Uh, Mitch Marner, full of energy, (laughs) but even, you know, more so, uh, if that's even possible, uh, he kind of just shrugs it off. He's like, guys, I've always been this way, but, uh, one thing that, that piqued my interest or raised my eyebrows when he came back that first scrum, that first Zoom session with him when he came back and joined them in Arizona, he was like, I want to score. Like, I, I can be a threat. I, I want to be a threat. I've heard that he said so that many times. I know. but it, Also, it's unnecessary. That, that, yeah, go ahead. It, Sorry. I it sounds heard. like he's been, he had been thinking about it. Like, he's been thinking. He's been watching a lot of the games. He's been thinking about it. Well, I'm just saying, look what he's done. He's on a four-game goal streak here. Um, six yeah. shots against Anaheim. I'm just, he okay. feels like he's really determined. He's really locked in. Whatever you want to say it, he's playing great. I don't know, you know, he's a great player, so he's going to play great. But you're right. It seems like he's taking his game to the next level over this stretch. And it seems like he's doing what he's set out to do. Hi, James. Go ahead. We have, we have breaking news. The Edmonton Oilers have signed Evander Kane. Cap hit $2.1 million. Hmm. You know what's interesting is that some of the other Atlantic teams, uh, Tampa and Florida, kicked tires and looked at Evander Kane. So he could have been he could have become a problem for the Leafs, but he's not going to be. All right. Well, it's not exactly like that was a, a slam dunk to work either, right? Kane comes with some baggage. Teams were <laughs> were you know worried about that, right? So Kane comes with like a whole luggage store, doesn't he? <laughs> he's got there's a whole. <laughs> The back of the train is just full of the, the bag, right? Like, and, and all these teams in the Atlantic are, are going along pretty well right now. So you enter, you know, Edmonton's in a, a bit of a different spot, right? A little now. bit. They gotta, I know, just a bit different. Like, they got to save their season here. They need to to to, to make the playoffs. And yeah, there's a know, level of desperation there that certainly yes. goes into this move. Yes. It's going to be interesting, though. So what I heard is that Tampa was interested, and they were talking to Kane's camp. And then what happened is Florida heard Tampa was interested, and they're like, "Oh, well, we yeah. better like get involved here, and we better like talk." You know, we, it's an arms race. Yeah, well, so I wonder if there's going to be that in play at the deadline where, like, you know, you're going to have – even with – like, I've been watching Boston more lately and they've been playing really well and Allmark's been really good for them in goal and they've been coming on strong. I mean, they be, did they beat Colorado last night? I believe they did, right? Like, No, they blew it a 3-1 oh, they, lead. They Very it. leaf-like. I think I went to bed before that game played out. But, you know, they've been winning a lot of games and, you know, I've been watching them and it's like, huh. You know, with the way Marchand's playing, with the way Allmark's playing, with the way McAvoy's playing, it's like there's something there. Like they might be a little bit of an underdog, mm-hmm. but there's four of the best eight teams in the NHL right now are all in the Atlantic division. And I think at the trade deadline, there's going to be a real a real battle for for assets between those four teams. Yeah. At Boston, they, they got Hall last year. You feel like it feels like they're going to make a move. Um and, and bulk up in those other teams for sure. Like that's what, that's one of the elements of this trade deadline in the lead up is going to be really interesting is just to see that the, the Atlantic is, is just such hyper competitive at the top of it that it feels like, it feels like a, a trade deadline addition will make the difference or can make the difference because the margins are going to be so, so slim in whatever series. We'll see. Maybe the least, like I haven't looked where, where's, uh, is who's in the, uh, Who's in, is it Washington who's dropped back now? I know Pittsburgh's been going strong. Like maybe the Leafs will find a way to win the Atlantic division and then they're playing the second wild card. But team. it's not like that's an easy matchup either. Like those, or those are good teams, team. right? Basically you have to beat good teams. Like I don't think, it, I don't think it's anything to complain about. Like if you want to go and win a cup, like you have to beat other good teams. Like that's just the way it is. Do you think they that's have the to, like Mark, be. do you think they have to like, 
I think we're all talking about the same thing. Like we're looking at the defense. Do they have to trade for a defenseman or do you think they can get by and just be like, you know what? We're one of the best teams in the league. We don't need to make a move unless one. There's another there. uh, storyline to watch, right? Is is the Muzzin Hall pairing moving forward here in this next month, right? Because Hall, you asked him, Jonas, he feels like he's turned a corner. Feels like he's not reacting. He's being a bit more proactive. He's getting more involved in the play. Um, and if he's if that is true, and he's trending in the right direction, and we'll see Jake Muzzin now with everything he's gone through this season. Now he's coming back from a concussion that he played through and practiced through. I don't know how the concussion spotter did not pull him in that game in St. Louis. Um, That's yeah. But uh, so we'll see how he responds. He's been skating. They they had a, what do you say? A neuro psych test yesterday. So hopefully that came back positive. So that's one, that's a huge story, huge, huge story for the Leafs over the next month is Muzzin Hall. How do they look? Do they look a bit more like their old selves? And, or, or I know some people are just basically already saying that they have to get someone to play with Muzzin. Um, but Muzzin was, has been an issue for a good chunk of this year. Um, so that's a big question mark. And if they, if they, cause if they play like they did last year, maybe that changes, uh, changes things. But, it, but it's also what James is talking about. Um, if they have one injury, they're not really, and, and I don't know that you can like, you, you can't really safeguard your team in every possible way. But it's like if they have one injury in their top four, they're in they're in a not great spot because I don't think anybody else yeah. can play up there. And like that's that's not even including the questions about Muzzin and Hall. Those are kind of independent of that, James. I think they I think they can and they James will. James has his hand raised. I didn't I didn't know <laughs> they were doing I that. Say that. <laughs> well, I was gonna say <laughs> that it, it is Washington that's in that second wild card spot who so whoever wins the Atlantic okay. at this point would likely No, Carolina I was just looking is actually uh oh, yeah. the top seed. They You're would right. play they okay. would play the well, I, so then yeah, they would get so. then it would be then it would be Boston then that the There you go. They, yeah. they, that they would, would be fun. They would be in that that other the what would you call it, the first wild card spot in the East. So but Washington and Boston are quite close together. And I mean, the East is interesting. Really, those are all like, good teams. It feels like those eight teams are all locked in, right? Because like, then you go down, and like the yes, next, it's done. The next highest team is the Islanders, and they're like way back. Yeah, and Detroit, yeah, and like Detroit, much over. Detroit's tenth in the East, and they're like they're so far back that it really feels like it's going to be those eight, and that's what you're looking at. So you know, if the Leafs get like Boston or Washington, I mean, that's it's like Jonas is saying that's going to be no. I know, you know, looking at the questions that we've got for us, Mark, when we do the, as Jonas calls it, the pod bag, uh, there's a ton of trade deadline stuff in there. So we probably don't need to like belabor that any more than we have already because there's mostly the question that we get over and over again on the podcast, if you've listened the last couple of weeks, is like, what defenseman can they get? What defenseman yeah. can they acquire over and over and over again? And, you know, last year, wasn't it the same Jonas? It was like, what forward can they acquire at the... At the trade deadline, over and over and over again. Yep. So it's going to be two months of this if if they don't make that move well in advance of the deadline. All right. So then, let me ask you guys the two part question that I want to ask. Mark and I like when we ask questions. We just ask the first question before we get to the second question. So let's start with the first mm-hmm. question. Mark, I'll begin with you. So we're kind of like at the midway point. So let's look ahead. Look, let's look back. Who's most exceeded your expectations on the roster? And then James, you can most take it and answer it. yourself. Most exceeded my expectations on the roster. Oof. Well, I mean, Jack Campbell was a question mark. I wasn't sure he was going to be that good. I didn't expect him to be that good in the first half. So he's exceeded expectations. Uh, you know, we expect a lot from those big boys up front. So I'm not sure any of those guys have really, ex- ex- you know, exceeded expe- expectations. Andre Cash, I, I thought was going to be good. I just didn't know 
I mean, he didn't know, right? He said he hasn't been healthy. I think Kempf, he's been a really good addition, but I don't know if he's been anything outside of what I thought he'd be. Maybe Morgan Riley. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you going to go through the like, whole roster here, Mark? Yeah, What's going I, on? I'm trying to talk it out <laughs> we asked, here. I'm trying, we asked I'm you trying to, to talk one, it out. One name. Bunting, is, Matthews, Marner. <laughs> uh, is there anyone I, 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 left I'll for us Riley. to talk about when you're done here? Morgan Riley. Finally. This is like, uh, you know, who wants to be so, I'm trying to talk so it out So why here. Riley? I just think that... I just feel like he's Do you think he's underrated? Level and I think he's... Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> yeah, we got a solid five rated. days out of that. It we? is a good question. I think it's a fair question. We didn't bring it up. Yeah. John Tavares, mild-mannered captain of your Toronto Maple Leafs, is bringing it <laughs> he was, up. He's one of the best... He was throwing bombs at the media know. here. Yeah, yeah. He's, he was locked in. And then Mitch Marner says, it's insane. It's insanity that Morgan Riley hasn't been an all-star just once in his career. Maybe he is underrated. What a which stupid I don't think all-star possible. setup. It's so dumb. Yes, like it's, it is. Anyway. It is silly. It is silly. And yet we talk about it a heck of a lot. Well, because it should matter. Like it, it should be important and players should, should care. Meaningful. It should be the best. Yes. I listen. I, I, does anyone here think that, does anyone here like the, every team has to be represented at represent? No. Rep, no. All right. So, I mean. Sorry, Mark. I'll go with Morgan Riley. I think he's Final really answer. elevated. He's because he's kind of in the middle age, I guess. For, for this group, and I wasn't, I, I just feel like he's really taken another step uh, with the minutes he's playing, just everything, you know, dealing with the, the contract coming. I, I just good think, answer. I guess, succeeded. Morgan Riley, final answer. James, good, good, good one, Mark. Thank you. Should I try and go through the rest of the roster? Please. I can Who go. I'll just name every player. <laughs> Christian Rubens came in for three games. You know, <laughs> I, I really like the way that he played. Joe but, Wall. You know, yeah, Joseph Wall. <laughs> he did exceed expectations. <laughs> you know, right. What's his record? Three, three and one. You know, Alex Steves exceeded good. expectations by playing, yeah. playing in NHL yeah. played games this year. McCabe's got six goals in 10 games. Hey, you can't do the same thing. You just have to pick yeah, someone. Like God. You know who I would pick, guys? And I, th- I actually don't think this is actually that hard of an answer. I think it's Michael Bunting is exceeding expectations. He's, he, he's like half a goal a game last he, year. He's, he's, he's Yeah, he's only played 26 games in his NHL career. He's on pace for 50 points this year. He's kind of cemented himself on that first line. He's become best buddies with, with Austin Matthews. Like, I, I just mm-hmm. – I didn't know if Bunting was going to be – like a fourth line guy, or if he was going to be able to play higher in the lineup, I know they had hopes that he would do that. But you know, what a what a miss evaluation by the Arizona Coyotes for for not keeping him and, and giving him a more prominent spot in their lineup. Like it just it baffles me that he didn't get more of an opportunity at the NHL level, given how how much how little talent they really they have on that team. Is he still leading the league in in penalties yeah, drawn, Jonas? It's insane. Like, I mean, he's done. He's drawn so much. like twenty one more penalties than Matthews, which just kind of blows my mind. Did he's he just hey, always no- got one the other yeah, day? Yeah, he did. He's he's always noticeable. Like, I I don't totally blame the officials. Like, you notice him. Like, you notice him getting yeah. hauled down. He's always he's yeah. like a real pest. He's like well, Austin said it uh, back uh, during that California trip when I you know he was asked why is Bunting so good at dry penalties. He listed off all the things and he's like, hey, he's a pretty good actor sometimes. <laughs> yeah, like he's 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 got theatrics. Like even, you know, you notice him he, even in the Anaheim game. Ass. Like Hampus Lindholm was like just really pissed at him at one point yeah. during one of the TV timeouts. Anyway. Those are those are both really good answers. I'm gonna go since you. I think Kasha would would probably have been my guy, but I'll go with James's boy, Pierre, the Engvalt Engval. Because like coming to the year, like you you we well, were, we were thinking, like we is, were he, gonna, he, might be is he gonna waivers. be on the team? Like yeah. is he right? Is he gonna be on the team? Like should they keep Adam Brooks ahead of Pierre Engval? 
no, they should not. And and obviously the way it's played out is Engvall has played really well. I think he's like a, a really useful piece to have in that he can play on your third line when it's like a stopper kind of line. He's obviously made the fourth line better. He scored a bit. He's he's killed penalties. Uh, he's going to... He's out of the doghouse, Jonas. I didn't, well, we weren't sure if it was doghouse. ever going to... He could get 30 points this year, guys. You know, And, and he's, yes. he's yeah. played himself higher than a fourth line role yeah. a lot of the season, too. He he's gonna replace Mikheyev next year. I just think that's very easy for them. So you, you think on. they're you think they're gonna open the Eng vault and give him a new contract? <laughs> yeah, he also needs a new contract, actually. Good one, James. All right, let's take a break and then let's get to the pod bag. All right, it is pod bag time. A reminder, Mark, James, support your local restaurants. I got a shout out. Have you guys ever had the Pie Commission? Have you ever heard of this place? No. Unbelievable. Sounds delicious. It's, there's, I think they, they have two locations. We got some pies from there this week, uh, a beef one, a chicken one, and a butter tart, and it was just like unbelievable. Well, do you so, guys know James Sharman, who used to be on TV, the, the soccer analyst, he's got a, a pie shop in, in my neighborhood that I got to hit up. It, it, oh, interesting. Yeah, Char- do you know the name? Char- I think it's called Sharman's Proper Pies or something like that. It's on the Danforth. It looks amazing, Where- and I, I haven't gotten it yet, but- so is it like chicken pot pies, beef yeah, pies? Yeah, they got a whole bunch of different kinds. And it so that's what he and he and his wife, I think, opened the store and they, they just mm. make these amazing pies. Do they have dessert pies there, Jonas? At the pie commission? Yeah. Yes. I would think so. Yes. It's a commission of pies, yeah. Yes. That's that's on like I have a very, very, very sweet tooth. So that's ah. like I'm on that's all on my radar. I know what's your favorite uh, dessert pie? Oh man, I could go on. I could like I love Power an, pie rankings. A, an apple pie. I love. Have you ever pecan had a corn pie? Have you had a grasshopper pie? What's that? That's oh, a grasshopper oh, it's pie. So good. It's like cookies and mint liqueur, and like it, it's oh, it's, yeah. it's amazing. You got to go for a grasshopper pie the next time you're there. Where do you get one of those? I don't know. My mom used to make it. <laughs> I don't. But but it does exist. Like it is something you can get. Oh, so it's not like a Myrtle tradition. It, well, it was, I'll go to the pie commission. Do you guys have a grasshopper pie? And yeah. they're like, what are you? No, talking no. Look about? it up online. It's 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 good. It's like Oreo. It tastes like Oreo cookies, and like it's got liqueur in it, and, and it's mint, and it's so good. All right. Very good. That was fun. I like talking about food. We should just do a food podcast. Mark, do you want to go with something with me? All right. Sure. Pod bag time. Let's, let's let's get to the Engvall next contract questions in the pod pad. I'm sure they're overflowing. Actually, James, you're supposed to ask the questions. I forgot. I'm, I have them here and I was about to start. Yeah, Go I'm ahead. All, I'm Sorry. all lined up, ready. So, Mark, because you're our guest, we get to put you through what we get put through with our reader questions every week. Uh, and the first one... The, I'm a man of the people, so I'm okay, looking forward well, to Okay, well, this goes to you and you got to answer it. Uh, De- oh, Devin, no. wants to <laughs> Devin wants to know, do you think there's a trade that makes sense for the Leafs for Jacob Chikrin? Ass. Uh, <laughs> probably. I've listened to you guys. I think you guys have broken down Chickard. He plays the left, right? Yes. He never, he's never played the right. So unless yes. you're finding some creative way, unless you Muzzin doesn't pull out of this nosedive and somehow you can. It doesn't make a lot of sense, does something. it? it doesn't, it's, just, it's hard to see it fit, right? And it's going to cost a fortune. You're going to block Sandine. Know. You know yeah, yeah. So, yeah. It's tough, but I, I like Chickard. What if he goes to Boston, right? I think as everyone's kind of wondering. In Leaf Nation. So I'll say, I'll, I'll be firm on that. I said, I don't really think it makes sense for the Leafs. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Here's one I like. The old head, this is a fun one. Zach asks, which Leaf is most likely to be the worst at not using their blinker when they're driving? <laughs> oh, I think you know the answer to that one. 
not using their blinker, Nylander? That's who I would guess, probably. With, with As he's wearing slippers? As he comes <laughs> in a snowstorm to practice? Um, who was it? Was it Nylander and Kapanen were, were in a fender bender on the way to practice that one, one yeah, year? Yeah, they, they I think Kapanen it. was driving. It, 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 the oh, funny okay. thing, that's kind of, he likes to play like that, right? Where he just like, he isn't looking around. Yeah, <laughs> starts and starts, yeah. <laughs> that's what someone jokes that. That's quite a creative question there. <laughs> well, we get, we get all kinds of stuff. Not only is that yeah, a yeah. question, that is a question that a lot of people have voted up and responded to with their own, oh, wow. with their own answers. One person says Mikheyev because he goes in a straight line all the time. Someone says Sergei Berezin. Yeah. Someone says anyone on the team that drives a BMW. <laughs> anyway. I feel like Cash is kind of relentless. Maybe he'd forget. He'd be going so fast he'd forget it was a blinking. Are you Sometimes guys are you guys good signalers? Or like are you I always yeah. signal. I'm in my parking garage and I'm signaling. Okay. I'm letting everyone know. Wow, where I'm even going. in the parking garage. Yes. Even though it's not even it's just I'm going, I just do it as a force of habit now. It's just yeah. Yeah. So Yeah, I'm the same way. Yeah. I'm Mr. Magoo. I'm hunched over my steering wheel, <laughs> steering wheel, and signaling everything. This know? is so. this is a really weird question, but I think it's worth us talking about. Stan asks this. This was like an outcry from the fan base, and it's still coming. This, uh, in fairness to Stan, this is before the Anaheim game, but he says, "Why are they so insistent on using Marner on power play one during the time he was out? They were at close to fifty percent. He's a great even strength player, but other teams." Ability to just give him the shot makes the rest of the power play too easy to cover, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This was like when Marner was out and they had cash on the first power play unit and it was really productive. The fans were like, Marner, Marner was a problem. Marner shouldn't be back on the power play. But with Marner on the power play, it's been very, very effective this year. That's an old um, way of looking at it. Like you could have made that case last year. And I think I did. I think James and I, we talked about it. Mark and I talked about it. Yeah. But the way the power play is now, I don't think that that's true anymore. Do you, Mark? It only works. It only works, Marner, not on that unit if you're going with the balanced units like they did, they've done back in the day. And then maybe you can convince him with like, uh, have a, you know, him and Tavares with, with maybe Spets or, or something as a second unit. No, no I, I, Marner's historically proven. Uh, he's one of the best power play players in, in the league. He, he's got the, one of the best. He sees the ice incredibly well. Uh, I take my chances with Mitch Marner on the ice with a, certainly with a numerical advantage that he's going to end up making more good plays than, than, than the other team. So I, I have no problem with Mitch Marner on PP one. And I, I, you got to have faith that they're going to figure it out with all that talent and they seem to have a plan and it's working. Yeah. I know they had success when, when he was out, but they've had success when he's in and yeah, I just, I, I want him feeling good and I don't think demoting him from PP one uh, when they've had success is, is, is makes a lot of sense. Good answer, Mark. Way to go. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, now I'll throw you another difficult one that you can answer. Oh, no. Jack Jack wants to know if you could choose to play either Florida or Tampa in, in the first round, who would it be? I think Florida, right? I just feel like they haven't proven it yet. Yeah, um, I don't Bobrovsky. I don't believe I don't believe in their goaltending, you know. I don't want to play Vasilevsky. I don't want to play Hedman. Um I don't want to play Kucherov, I don't want to play Stamkos. They listen, Florida's an amazing team, but I just haven't seen them win a playoff series and they've had, what they got the longer drought than the Leafs in terms of their franchise's history. I just, uh, I just, I, I'd prefer to go up against a team that hasn't done it either versus a team that's coming off two Stanley cup championships. And, and certainly Tampa's going, maybe this is, they're going to hit a wall and they're going to lose because they're tired and their depth, you know, they've lost some good pieces, but I just, I don't know, man, Vasilevsky's so good. Those guys, they just, I don't know. I'd rather play Florida. 
That's just my feeling. And I love, by the way, I love watching Florida. Like, I think they might be my favorite team to watch this season. They just blow like, teams out move, sometimes, right? They, like, it's they, amazing. they score like They're nine goals in some of these games. Up and down the ice. They score at will at times. And Bobrovsky's been up and down. I know he's had a good year, uh, but there's questions there. So I think Florida. I think Florida is the team that it's not no good options, as we've talked about. But I think Florida, if I had to pick between Florida and Tampa, I think I'd pick Florida. I might actually go Tampa. It's pretty crazy. We haven't seen Florida yet this year, guys. Yeah. Like, what, like this is insane. This is to use Marner's term insanity that we haven't seen a Toronto Florida game yet. There's going to be a few of them crammed in. So maybe we'll have a better idea of how, what the matchup really looks like um, after we have those games. Well, we've seen two Tampa games in Toronto and they've split them. Split correct? them, yeah. So I think they match um, up well. Tampa's obviously the best team or has been the best team in the league. I, yeah. I, I might choose Tampa in that scenario. They've been weakened a bit by obviously the cap. I don't know. The Leafs seem to match up pretty well with them. And like, listen, like if you're going to f- slay the giant, why not slay the giant right away? Well, Florida's also got a rookie head coach, right? Brunette. Yeah. It's a little bit of a different feel when, instead of a Stanley cup champion, like Joel Quinville, maybe. And, and Brunette's done great. Like they've, they've done well to weather everything, but you know, you've got the more experienced head coach in that series too. If that if you feel like that matters in terms of adjustments and, you know, Sheldon Keith's got the battle scars of the last couple. Um, but yeah, I feel like Tampa, maybe they're right for the picking. Maybe you want to go through the cup champs just to. Well, and they've had like two, the, the two playoff runs in a not long period of time. No, they, they, you know, you wonder about their energy levels and where they're at, but I don't know, man, having watched them elevate in the playoffs the last couple of years, they're big stars. I, what do you think, James? No, I agree with you. I don't, I don't like you said, I don't want any part of Vasilevsky. I don't, yeah. I don't, I, yeah. I just don't, I, I, I hear what you're saying, Jonas, but you are going to have to go through them at some point. But I think the Leafs as an organization so badly need to win a playoff series that you take, if you can choose, you take the easier matchup and then you worry about Tampa in round two and you'll probably be better better prepared to face a team like Tampa Mm -hmm. in the second round if that's the way that it plays out. Um, Jeremy B has a question. He says, is there a scenario where the Leafs get a a really good offer for Mrazek and move on sooner than later? Do you think Edmonton wants to trade for him? Well, I'm sure they would love to have him instead of the guys they got, but is that it's just not really realistic with if Mrazek was a was in the final year of his contract, then it might make sense. But he's got two more years at three point in, he's barely played. Like I, I just can't see any team being interested in acquiring him right now. And okay, but James, let me turn that back on you. What if some team was Let's say they were. They said, "Like we're, we're, we'll take the deal, and it, we're, it's not going to cost you very much." And basically, what you're, what I'm saying is, you get to get off that contract. Do you do it? Yeah, I think I probably still need a goal. I think I probably right. Would, I think I probably would do it just just to get the cap space to be able to spend on something else. But I don't think but that's then a Mark's re- right. Then then you need a goal. Yeah, then you got to go find another goaltender. But I I just don't think that's a realistic scenario that some teams gonna be like, oh, I really want Morazic for like two and a half <laughs> more years at three point eight million. And he's been hurt the entire season. He was hurt almost all of last season too. Like yeah. He, the market for him is is zero. What, you know, look how many teams are capped out. It's like 19 teams are in LTIR or whatever this year. Like there's no one has room to take a $3.8 million backup right now. And so like you do need another goaltender. The Leafs have the luxury of a guy who's played a lot in the NHL being their second goaltender right now. And I, they, they're going to have to try and get the most out of that that they can this season. feels like if something were to happen, it would be an off-season yeah. maneuvering, some sort of creativity where you bring in another goalie and you sweeten the pot. I don't know. But yeah, for now, it just feels like this is the way it's going to play out this season. And they got to get, you know, look at the rest of the season as re- rebuilding his value. Maybe he gets more value if, the, yeah. if he's playing well and getting more more starts. Um, 
yeah, I, yeah, I can't imagine they move on just because they just they need him. They are hopefully he's playing well. They need a backup goalie in case. Well, Jack's going to need a rest down the stretch. We know how close the Atlantic Division is going to be. Uh, Peter Morazic banking some points in those starts could be the difference between starting on the road and starting at home in the playoffs. You know, looking at the cap situation next year, assuming they sign Jack Campbell to a five million or five point five million dollar deal, it's really hard to fit Mrazek's contract in. Like I, I, I wasn't able really to figure out a way to do it. So it's hard to justify it too. Like, yeah. do you really do you want to pay your? I know, like it wouldn't be. He's not your typical backup, like of how we used to think of backups. Like he'd play forty games or thirty five games, but like. That's a lot to spend on that, I think. So they're probably going to have to look at moving him in the summer. You know, it's there are ways that's that they future could, Kyle's problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good yeah. luck, buddy. Oh, yeah, he's like that's future Doobie's problem. <laughs> or, be, you know, or someone, or someone else, Mark. Someone else's problem. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> wow, that took a dark turn. <laughs> All right. Uh, Avi would like to know, is there interest on the Leafs part in moving Richie out or would they rather hold on to a player of his size for the playoffs despite his disappointing production? Doesn't seem to be anyone willing to pick him up for free on waivers, but maybe if they packaged him with a pick. I think that you're going to that'd trade a, him be a tough to, to trade him. You're going to have to sweeten the deal. Right. So, yeah. but I, I think that, yeah. I think that that could happen though. Like in whatever trade they make for a defenseman or whatever, Richie could be going the other way. Like that makes some sense to me. I don't think he you, is really out of it right now, eh? Like he's not even on the radar. You don't hold on to him because when he's healthy. like Jonas and I talked about this before. Like, yeah, he's big, but he doesn't play big. Like he's not like he's the, exactly the size. What's it? Yeah. Where's the benefit? Yeah. Like, where's he even play? What's his best? Like, where? Where's the utility? It's just they. It just didn't work. Um, it's only been half a year. It definitely feels like he needs to change the scenery, right? Like, uh, what? Where's the value there? He didn't work with him on the fourth line, Jonas. You would. I have a better sense of the underlying numbers, but it just there's been no fit. They're not good. They're not. There's just nowhere. He hasn't made a big impact. Power play anywhere. It's just this hasn't worked. Is not surprising to me that this happened. Do you think I I, like? So I graded him a C minus for the first half, and do you think I was too nice? Like I I don't know. Like it's is it his? I don't know. It's not his fault. Like he's. He had a great chance. He was on the top line. But he's line not that good. He's never been that good. Yeah, he's just right. not that good. Like I don't know. He had Fifteen goals last season. Yeah, and like I don't that know. was like his career year. Yeah, fifteen. It high was high. a bad signing. Like it was. Yes, it was. It, it was not a great signing. So I, I no. It would have been better coming into the year with that two and a half million in cap space and just like yes, yes. You know, they would have had a lot of flexibility to add something during the year. Uh, Can you imagine if they had uh, just put Bunting in that first line start? Well, I mean, he did get a look there, and then it didn't work that as well that first time, right? You try different things out, and you wonder. But if they, it's kind of hindsight you know, because coming into the year, we were yeah. saying like, do they have enough forwards? A lot of people didn't think Kasha could play yeah. at all, or, or was going to get hurt yeah. right away. Yeah. Or, so yeah. it could have played out differently, and then we would have said, well, why didn't they add another forward in the off season? Uh, yep. Nicole, you just speaking of dark paths, this one. <laughs> Nicole wants to <laughs> wants to ask Mark: uh, Would the Leafs be a better oh team if they didn't sign Tavares and they kept they Oof. kept Kadri Oof. they kept Kadri instead? Which I know some Leafs oh, yeah, yeah, some yeah. Leafs fans are wondering. Uh, they wouldn't have Tavares or Kerfoot, but they would have Kadri and another ten million in cap space. Oh man, talk about a different timeline. <laughs> I'm, I'm a big fan of that show Community. It's like. So this the multiverse is in Marvel where you like go down. A There's too many yeah. layers you could go down, like because the contracts it's for the impossible. the other guys would be different because of 
him not being on the team, like they'd be a totally different team. Who can say if they'd be I, better? It's impossible to know. It's an impossible question. Which are the best kinds of questions? Because you can't get it wrong. Um, <laughs> Our mailbag questions are always knows. just like you need like a whole show to like add a, answer them properly, right? Like we did this thing. Did yeah. you, I don't know if you heard it, Mark. We did this thing called a live room. Uh, was that this week, Jonas? On Monday, we we did it, or last I think week? That was last week. We did last week. We did it, and it's called a live room, and it's basically like a call-in radio show in our app, and people can call in and ask mm-hmm. us questions, and we answer. And like some of the questions we were getting, it's like, holy cow! Like, how are we supposed to answer this in like a minute? <laughs> it's like so elaborate. Yeah, that's it's it's these are <laughs> that's 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 weighty. I mean, and we're also in the middle of the Tavares era. He's your captain. Also, I now he's it's right when Kadri's having like, the is, best yeah. year of his life. Kerfoot's also having a pretty good, darn good season, uh, especially considering what his narrative was coming into this year. PDO um, wars. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. But uh, at least seems to have a, a place on the team. Um, yeah, hey, he's been good. Like, like he's been he's been solid penalty killing as well, right? All his points are at even strength. He doesn't play in the power play. Uh, seems like, and he's also their NHLPA rep. And actually, one of the things was that Sheldon Keefe said he's been more of a leader. And obviously you lose a guy like Hyman, other guys are going to be more vocal. Um, Tavares, I think, has delivered what you'd expect. I think as you look back on that summer, you have a chance to get John Tavares. I don't think you can pass it up. So whether it was right or wrong, I think you had to do it. So we'll see if it pays off. They still got they still got a few years here. He's still producing. And uh, there's there's you know, he's been he's delivered for 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 the city, right? I mean, I thought it was notable before he scrum even started this week, his Zoom scrum started. He was talking about racism and the need for the Leafs to, to combat it and being proactive. I think he's done a lot off the ice as well. So um, hard, hard question to answer to, to answer there. But uh, I find it hard to quibble with what with John Tavares has brought to the table since he arrived in Toronto. James, you'll appreciate this. Kadri's uh, on ice shooting percentage that one year when you wrote about him, you kind of like poured hot coffee on it. His season that year was 15%, right? You remember that mm-hmm. five on five. Yep. This year it is at 12.6, the highest besides that season in his career. Remember that story came out and it was like in the infancy of advanced stats at that point, And I just was getting just killed online for that story. Cause he had that big year, remember? And he like broke out. It was a 48 had, game had, season. Had, yeah. Had more, yeah. I think he had more than a point a game or something like that. And I basically wrote that like his honest shooting percentage was unsustainable. And he was really only like a 55 point player and which is what he's been for most of his career. And yeah. that same, I think it was that same day my, my cat died that I had had since I was like really young and I was just like devastated and I was getting this like hate mail and I was getting these people calling me all these things and online. And I was just like, it was like, I had like the worst, I had the worst day. It was just awful. And Nazem Kadri had a cat. Do you remember his, cat. the cat's name, Mark? Comes full circle. You should remember that. That's right up your alley. No, wasn't I it, just remember the headline. Wasn't was like, it Jazzy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jazzy, on, Jazzy, Kadri, yeah. Come on, Mark. Sorry. All right, one more question. Jazzy, and then. One second, one second. Before we move on from Kadri, because we all miss him so much, I was doing a little research on uh, Morgan Riley being underrated. Was, you know, of course. And I was telling you this the other day, Jonas, that uh, remember that series, uh, was it the second time he got suspended <laughs> yes. right before he left? He's suspended. He's out of the series. The Norris nominations come out. Riley had a 72.20 goal season and he finished, he didn't get nominated. And from the press box, from being suspended, <laughs> Nazem Kadri takes to Twitter to say, I can't believe my boy Morgan Riley didn't get nominated for the Chucky Norris trophy. <laughs> like, he was just like, you're just looking at, 
It was great. I miss that guy. Being around him, like I love watching him. But oh. Kadri's going to be UFA, and he's going to get an interesting contract with another team. But I would love him to be one of those veterans that comes back to Toronto at the end of his career and plays mm. for a million bucks yes. on like the third or the fourth one line. Year like Kadri, kind of like the, well, even more. Maybe he can do the Spezza at the end of his career. The elder statesman, yeah. Oh my god, that'd be great. Because that's what Spezza like. Every time like he holds court with the media, it's like we're getting his input on everything, right? Like he's like the sage old guy. Nas would be great because he's not afraid to, as we know, share his opinion. That's just, I'm having this image of like a few years from now, you know, Kadri's here and we're just like, what do you make of, you know, like he'll be the calmer, cooler, uh, you know, level head weighing in. I look forward to that chapter of Nazim Kadri's career. Um, <laughs> Jonas is shaking his he's head. He's an all time media guy. Yeah. Like in terms of quotes. Yeah, darling. He's, I just trying to pick oh. the last question for us here. Make it a good one. All right. Eric has a, this is another hard question, but it's interesting. He says, you know, which of the following players could be traded in the off season and get value in return? Uh, he has Morazic on the list. He has Richie on the list, Justin Hall, Travis Dermott. He also has Jake Muzzin and John Tavares on the list. So, um, you know, the no move clause for Tavares is going to be tough. Muzzin does have a no trade clause. You know, there's some different stipulations that are involved in that. So, you know, it, with the season that Muzzin's had and the need for cap space and the way that Sandine's played, I, I wonder if Muzzin might potentially be a guy that they would look at trading as part of the to free up cap room next year. Stanley Cup champion. I mean, he got a long track. Yeah, record of I know. Success, He's played, played really well played. prior to this season for the Leafs. He's gotten injured in two straight playoffs, although that Columbus injury is a bit of a fluke, obviously. It's hard to know about the value he would get without seeing how he finishes this season. If he and Muzzin, if Hall and Muzzin play like they did last year down the stretch, A, the Leafs probably don't want to trade him, and B, but B, their value goes up, and you know, all of a sudden Hall is a big right shot defenseman that can skate, and the same reasons that they were bending over backwards to protect him in the expansion draft will will maybe make him you know somebody that that could be traded, but that's a tough list. I mean, again, a mid season too, right? We don't know. He's saying in the off season, he's, he's, he's saying like, if you need to, in the off you, season, you need to free yeah. up the cap I mean, space in the off season. If, if, if Morazic is play, has a strong second half, can probably trade. It doesn't him. get hurt. Yeah. Like, and there's a team that needs a goalie and he has a, a good end to the season and the Leafs need to sign Campbell and they feel, feel like they, they can't have a backup goalie making that money. And, but, but you need Morazic to hold up his end of the bargain and start getting in a groove and stay healthy, first of all, and then put together some good games. Maybe there, yeah, there could be value there for the same reason the Leafs saw value in signing him. Maybe you can find a trade that, that makes sense there. That of the list, it's hard, it's hard to say. Um, and again, if Muslim plays well, I don't think you want to trade him if he's back to, because you need that element on the defense of the physicality of the penalty killing of the leadership. Well, the good news, if they can trade Morazic and Richie and not retain salary, then that's $6.3 million. So that gives them some flexibility to put all that into Campbell's contract, Justin Hall and Dermott. I don't think you're going to get a whole lot back for them, but you can also move them out. That's another three and a half million dollars. So, you know, like there, there's going to be some options. And I think that those are the right places to subtract from. Yeah. I feel like Morazic's your best bet of the names that we just kind of bounced through there to, to, to a, be the least would be looking to trade and be get some value maybe if he plays well all right i feel like we could Jonas doesn't have to answer this question you answered it so well oh and there's <laughs> flattery will get you everywhere Jonas. there's one more jonas for you uh, dan says okay. oh, not a question as much as a comment but please no more you game. told me this <laughs> yeah but i wanted to read it for everybody else I'm the boss. If we're going to do games, we'll do games. <laughs> Dan S. says, 
Please, no more games by Jonas to open the podcast. No fun, Myrtle, and no fun, Dan. Darren responded and said, I like the silly games. James gets so ornery. Yeah, James is like a crotchety old man. (laughs) I I don't want to play games. Get off my lawn. I don't think those, I think they're like torture chambers. They're not games. You just need to have fun. You're like torts. Torts. Yeah, just have fun. Do a game that involves puns or something and maybe I'll have a good time. Yeah, that's what's so ironic. The guy who like can't stop making puns doesn't want to play games. All right, yeah. Mark. Well, maybe next time this we'll play great. some games. This has been fun. Yeah, I can't believe I didn't get a game. I know. Sorry. Next time, I'll make sure time, that there's a game. Please. And a good game. Thank you. The game was do our job for us and answer these impossible <laughs> pod bag it's questions. Tough. I've been listening. Yeah. The pod bag has been full of, uh, yeah. When's that trade deadline again? It doesn't even, it's not even close. It's like March 21. It's like eight uh, weeks. We don't even know who all the buyers and sellers i guess we know the sellers in the east but the west is a mess who the heck knows what's going on in the wild west we'll see all right mark another edition thank you as always everyone follow mark's work at tsn and tsn.ca it's excellent as always he's the best there is the best there ever was and the best Mm -hmm. mark that there ever will be hashtag masters nation right exactly uh and if you haven't subscribed to the athletic go to the athletic.com slash leaf report uh, give it a shot. James, anything else besides... Look what he's doing. He's putting the, the Zoom emojis up, if you want to call it that. He's got the party hat, the heart. He's going through them all. I didn't even know. Oh, oh great. Okay, he's James, still, is, he, James is blowing us a kiss. kiss. That was real sweet, nice. James. That's Thank you so much. End. Oh, now he's crying. All right, we will be back yeah. next week. James, do you want to take us out? Uh, no, I'm good. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Mark. <laughs>